Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yeah, this hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers Office in Reno and here in Las Vegas, 766-1400. That also means it's time for Justin Watkins to hop on, co-host, legal analyst, also former public servant, so uh, brings a lot to the table. That's a good way to put it, right, Justin? You bring a lot to the table, buddy. Yeah, you're making me feel great about myself. Mm, pat yourself on the back. He didn't yeah. do anything That's right. for me. What do you mean? Well, he's a public servant. What did he do for me? I wasn't mm. your representative. Oh, okay. Hey, do you have solar? Does anybody in your your life have solar? I mean, you I live in solar a, back. I live in an apartment, and I'm never going to get a house <laughs> in this economy. So you heard what he said, right? He helped bring solar back. That's I right. Mean, there's nothing for me. Well, I might down the road. In this economy, I'm never going to buy a house. Well, that's not what true, right, Justin? Real, real estate, real estate mogul. That's not true. This will, this economy will not stay the same forever. That's right. No, I think, I think. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I, long, I believe in that. Yeah, that was there was a lot of confidence in <laughs> well, that. That's right. Well, he, he's not he's not here with us, so he's. Well, I he's thought, I thought, I thought yeah. you were going to respond to that, JVT. I thought <laughs> he was asking you. I didn't. I thought he's calling the Von Tobel name the real estate moguls, not me. Um, you know, who doesn't have any significant real estate. So, but I, I, my opinion is, you know, if you're looking to buy or you, you're waiting for price to come down, it's, it's this summer. But, you know, I'm not a realtor. Hmm. Let's get to the big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. So we got some good stuff coming up. A lot of coaching talks, some potential lawsuits out there, some fights. Justin Watkins is with us. All right, let's start out the big four with uh, I sent you a video of a fight in a casino, and we'll we'll send this out on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, you want to describe this, Justin? Because basically, it was a size mismatch. It looked like an age mismatch. Um, someone goes down in a heap, and I wonder if the person who threw the punch. By the way, these were two women. The person who threw the punch is okay, and not in terms of the fight, but is she facing some legal issues? No way. And you didn't have to send me this video. I, I was all <laughs> I was all over this video. I had seen it. You know, uh, so the just the description is I believe this is at Red Rock Resorts. Oh yeah, uh, is, is where it's happening. It's happening right there at the at the bar in front of the uh, sports book. Oh really? And, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm gonna I watch mean, it again. Yeah. And there's this lady who I think is probably I'm gonna say ten to fifteen years older than the lady that she's verbally like getting in and after and she's she's belligerent she's she's yelling at her and the 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 younger taller bigger uh lady who's listening to this is super calm and collected but just keeping her at her distance she's not fighting her she's not hitting her she's not even really pushing her she's just keeping her arm out and like keeping this lady away like just stay away from me just stay away from me. And she circles out, and but she doesn't leave. She just keeps circling away and is kind of like swatting a gnat. She's just like, get away from me. And then the older lady makes a mistake. She she throws hands. And the the one who was being attacked was it's like the switch just flipped. She's like, oh, that's what I was waiting for. And boom, knocks her out cold. Just Right down on the ground, knocks her out cold, and she's down for a while. And everybody just kind of look, looks around and is like, are we supposed to do something about this? And there's kind of a security guy there, and they all just like, well, she kind of had it coming. <laughs> they just go over and try to help the lady up, and it takes a while. So she's completely fine in terms of self-defense. 
I think she's 100% fine. No, so, nobody, nobody watch, no lawyer who watches that video is like, I'm taking that case. So I have a lot of questions about this. First mm -hmm. off, uh, Justin, you mentioned uh, security. That's not a security guard. Somebody who's familiar with the uh, uniforms, that's a slot technician, I believe, that is standing okay. there. That is yeah. not a security guard. So first off, where's security? This whole yeah. video is like 90 seconds, and clearly they've been going at it for a while. Like, at some point, yeah. the security show up. Because I'll just say this. As a former employee over up there, uh, security was pretty quick when there were cocktail waitresses around to talk to. But uh, I don't know. A brawl in front of the sportsbook bar, they could be not found. Nary a, yeah. nary a black jacket. So I would say that that would be a problem if the lady who was being verbally assaulted actually is the one who got hurt. Okay. But because the lady who started the fight is the one who got her ass beat, I think that the the lack of security is immaterial to that legal analysis because she started it, she put herself in danger, and that's what happened. Now, again, if the shoe was on the other foot and the other lady who had not started any part of it was just not leaving, she was standing her ground, which she has every right to do, and security didn't come around for minutes, and there's a slot, slot technician right there not radioing in to anybody. And there's nobody stopping this. Nothing's happening. And it was it was a pretty long video. Yeah, it's like 90 seconds or two minutes yep. of, of just circling before anything happened. Then I do think that Red Rock Resorts would be in trouble there. I do think that they that person would then have a legal claim to say, hey, you've got to protect your patrons better than this. And it's not like you guys didn't have notice that something was going on. You have cameras everywhere. You've got literally eyes on us and nobody's calling. Nobody's intervening. Nobody's doing anything. You have a duty to keep me safe, which is the legal standard. Also, look, I, I know you're not a doctor, but you're a physically fit man. Do you think the lady that got knocked out, did she wake up with sore hamstrings? Because she got folded and she touched her toes. And I don't think she's ever touched her toes in her life, judging by her <laughs> physical composition. That was incredible. That was a literal folding. Yeah. She just right over, hands down the toes, totally ripped the hammies. <laughs> Number three. John, I want you to intro the story as a Colts fan. I know you've been fighting real hard against Jeff Saturday getting your gig now the fans have a petition going yeah uh, so colts fans have launched an online petition to high no to keep jeff saturday from becoming head coach he is one of the four reported finalists for the colts head coaching job there are multiple rumors that uh the front office of indianapolis is trying desperately to keep jim ursay from hiring him as head coach and uh wednesday afternoon this was launched by thursday and had 2,500 like, verified signatures earlier today, so there's really not that many. Uh, but it is ridiculous. It has to come to this. I signed it. Oh, you did? I signed it. That's Let's awesome. Go. Power to the people. <laughs> the fact that we talk about all these coaching hires, right, and the fact that guys like Steve Wilkes do the job that they do and can't get a job, Jeff Saturday stumbles into this thing, goes 1-8 and eight as the head coach, is a complete and utter failure, and is still going to get the job because the owner wants a former Colt in there is a nightmare. Justin, what do you think? Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with JVT. He said all I needed to, to hear. I agree with him wholeheartedly. There is going to be a ripple effect of a Saturday hire if it happens. It's another. It could be another really bad look for the National Football League because it's bad enough that he was hired straight off of TV and given eight games, but he went one and seven, and I don't think the Colts would be willing to argue. They can't 
argue that, oh, well, that that's what we wanted. We wanted a tank. That, that'll get you in trouble with the league. And then there's guys around the league like Steve Wilkes who just got passed over, who went 6-6 six and six in his interim spot, got passed over with the Panthers for Frank Reich. And now Wilkes' attorney is saying they are very disturbed by this, so it sounds kind of down the same lane as what went on with Brian Flores. So what could happen here legally? Yeah, I think I think the person who's who's benefiting the most from this is Flores because he's in there and now he's he's going to point to all the past and all all the, the the consistent moves that have been made since his lawsuit and he's going to be proven right and the thing that like the one thing that I really didn't like about uh, the hire with the Jets with Hackett is that the GM says, well, we can't be blinded by recency bias. So, so we can't look at what anybody's doing now. So we can only look at things in the past. And the past was, you know, a, a league that was full of, you know, white men in powerful positions. So if all we could do is look at the past and nothing recent, all we're ever going to do is continue to do what we've always done in the past, which is hire white men. And like, if I'm the lawyer for Flores or Wilkins, I'm like, perfect. This is perfect. Like, I'm putting this up on the poster board for the jury, for the judge, right on day one. Like, they have created a system whereby they intentionally ignore the achievements of the rising stars in the league when they are African-American or um, any other, uh, you know, minority race or minority sex too um, because they, they've created a system in which they only look at the historical uh, evidence and nothing recent. Number two. So let's continue on Hackett. Nate Hackett hired by the Jets as the OC after having a really bad year with the Broncos. Other problem, and I know we've argued over this one too. Um, familiar name because it's a nepotism hire. There's so many connected people by family around the National Football League. And then there's Byron Leftwich, who was part of a Super Bowl-winning program, goes bye-bye in Tampa. And I'm really curious, John, to see if Byron Leftwich can get a job immediately. I, I get the feeling he won't. Oh, no, he's got to prove himself, Steve. I think he's got to go somewhere else where Tom Brady isn't there, and he's got to prove himself to be successful. Much like Nathaniel Hackett, after he left the shadow of Aaron Rodgers, went to Denver and proved himself as a successful play caller. It's the way these things go, Steve. He's got to climb up the ladder. Pull himself up by the bootstraps. It's a mess. Someone should hire Byron Leftwich. He should get a chance immediately. Hell, he was up for the head coaching slot in Jacksonville. They hired a good candidate in Doug Peterson, and it turned out well. But how do you go from being a guy who's got a shot at being a head coach to getting fired as the OC, and then no one wants you the next year? And as it's pointed out, because a lot of people have said, because we come up with these things, right? Uh, it's so weird that we come up with these, like, you know, barriers for these guys when it comes to it. Like, oh, you got to prove yourself as a play caller. Because Doug Peterson, before he got his head coaching job, was calling plays under – no. No, he wasn't. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I, I, I would take him in San Diego. I'll tell him that right now. Number one. LA, think, not San think, Diego. Yes, yes. I think uh, the Chargers must have someone from Sean McVay's staff. I think that's how that one's gonna that one's gonna turn out. Top story. This is a good one for both our friends up north in Reno, we're on ESPN Reno, and here in ESPN or on ESPN Las Vegas. You know, if you remember back 
to Election Day. I came in for Cofield and Company, and my best topic of the day, I thought, was, you know, we've got a change at the top, Justin. It's happening. It was pretty clear Joe Lombardo was going to be the new governor. And I will tell you, uh, Adam Candy was, was not happy uh, because my premise was, he's the new governor, let's go, let's talk about what he does for sports in the state. And he wanted to hold off. It's like, the election's not done. Whatever. He, <laughs> he, he had a point, but I was like, he's going to win, so let's just get to it. And we covered it the next day as well. And I think we talked about it with you. And my thought at the time was, listen, Steve Sisolak was very sports-friendly. I think in some ways, too sports-friendly. We could have gotten a better deal with Allegiant as the public. It's turned out to be so far a solid investment, although, as Justin will point out, we don't know the numbers yet. But my assumption was, hey, Lombardo's not going to rubber stamp a bunch of expenditures and free money for professional sports. And we got his first comment last night, Justin. So sit tight here. Because Lombardo made it pretty clear, there w- at least with his first statement, there will not be public money for professional sports leagues. And I think mostly what we're talking about here are the Oakland A's. Because we've said repeatedly on the ground in Vegas, you're not getting public money. So you go, Governor Lombardo. Stick to your guns. But will he? That's the issue when we come back. Big Four at Four is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Office in Reno, office in Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state, 766-1400. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Let me give you a quote from uh, Governor Lombardo as we welcome back in. Former public servant Justin Watkins, our legal insider, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We're here at Silver Sevens as uh, John Von Tobel is here as the company. Lombardo on using public money for pro sports teams. Quote, I know there's a quandary associated with welcoming athletics, whether they're going to uh, put roots down in the Las Vegas Valley or not. But my position, what I have expressed, is no public money for that endeavor. So when I saw this quote last night, Justin my first reaction was not to tweet out, yeah, yeah, that's the way to approach things. My first reaction, my immediate tweet, because Al Bernstein uh, was talking about it as well, I said, how soon, or no, will he stick to this? And I, crap you not, I hadn't seen that he had a follow-up already and started to step back because I'm sure he got some calls and he's, I'm sure some power brokers, especially in Vegas and also in Reno, are like, what'd you say? No, 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 no. That's not the right way to put it. Yeah, uh, politics comes at you fast, doesn't it? Right? You know, uh, yes, you get yes, up, you just yes. say all these things like, no, oh, you know, everybody, every new governor in, in the United States right now thinks they're John Dutton. They're going to come in here and they're going to say no to everything and yeah. everybody's yeah. going to love it. And, and it's like, you know, the, the people who helped to get him elected are now picking up the phones going, hey, man. Yeah. Like that could really benefit all of yeah. us, you know. The the Vegas Chamber of Commerce is like, hey, what, what? Why would you say that? You know, I got all. We represent thousands of businesses that are going to benefit if these teams want to come here. So, like, why would you put out a blanket statement that just then makes no team want to even explore talking with us? Now, like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't like public money for this stuff either. You know that, 
but at the same time, there's different levels of what public money means. Exactly. The deal has to be good and actually discussed and make sure that there's really good oversight. The follow-up, this was interesting. This is from the, uh, the RJ, the follow-up from Lombardo's team read like this. Governor Lombardo will not raise state taxes to bring a sports team to Nevada. However, boy, they mentioned a specific team. However, the Oakland A's or any other team or company looking to relocate to Nevada may or may not be eligible for a variety of existing economic development programs in the state. Okay. Yeah. You know, listen. <laughs> you know, they had to do- they had to do what they had to do. The reality is, like, that basically is, it's it's made to sound like it's not a backtrack, that it is, this is just clarifying that statement. But let's be real, that hole that they left in that statement is so big that it could be nothing, it, it, it's a backtrack, right? It's like, wait a minute, well, no state taxes, okay, well... Allegiant wasn't built on state taxes, right? That was built on local taxes in a specific district, right? So, okay. Um, And there's a number of existing programs. So the implication is you you would consider raising local taxes, but you would not consider a new incentive program, or would you? So even that statement, I think, left a lot to be desired. And I think they just wanted to put the. I just. I think they wanted to go away. You know what's funny about this too? So you know, clearly he he references the Oakland A's. So that means us down here. So he comes out of the gates with a statement that's going to piss off a lot of people in Las Vegas. He follows up with, "Well, here's an opening which should piss off a lot of people in Reno." Uh, you know, you have your new office up there. You're up there. I go up there to travel to go cover the you know Nevada UNLV games. I'm going to be up there in early March, and I'm really intrigued to see what the casino district looks like and if i were in reno and i was like wait if public money in in any form goes to the oakland a's a failing crap franchise to move to vegas and that takes public money and we don't have more money pumped into our casino district that needs revitalization like i'm pissed if i live up there i mean when you know my position on this if we're going to be talking about the oakland a's i'm pissed if i'm down here i you know like Giving public money to a team that has no history of spending money to tr- to attempt to win anything substantial, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't see why we would be duped into believing that they're going to change their ways after they've consistently performed this way now for 30 years, which is they don't even spend up to what they get on revenue share. So they're just pocketing money. And then we're supposed to give them money to build a stadium here so they could pocket the money here, too, and not spend it on trying to win. Like, so I'm pissed down here when we're talking about the Oakland A's. We got a juicy topic when it comes to public servants because we've had many discussions with Justin about the role of the public servant in terms of sticking their beaks into sports or entertainment. And now we've got congressional hearings on tickets to sporting events and concerts and other entertainment. Ticketmaster is in the crosshairs. <laughs> you know, I'm not a Swifty, and I have some criticism for Taylor Swift, but I got to tell you, I love this that her people are flexing their muscles because of the ticket disaster a couple of months ago. I just want to give you a couple of clips to describe what they were 
discussing. So first, here's a congressman just talking about how many tentacles a place like Ticketmaster has. Um, and this part of the comment is about even with a ticket reseller, right? You still then buy the ticket and then you have to go to Ticketmaster. In that case, like their hands are in everything. When you think about it, it's really something. You're forcing everybody who just wants to get this ticket on the resale market, who hasn't bought from you, Zuberg told to begin with, you're forcing them to become your customer in order to take possession of this ticket. I mean, that's that's really something. I mean, hats off to you, I guess, for, for being innovative and using your monopoly. But I have to tell you, from a competition standpoint, this really, really worries me. Hats off to you for being innovative and using your monopoly. They had someone from another ticket reseller, not StubHub. That's who they were talking about there. This guy was from SeatGeek. And then you, he, he listed he, he list all the different areas that a place like Ticketmaster is involved in. And you're like, oh, my God, they have control. And they also can basically threaten everyone. Live Nation controls the most popular entertainers in the world, routes most of the large tours, operates the saving systems, and even owns many of the venues. Today, Ticketmaster's estimated market share is over 70% of the U.S. primary ticketing market. Ticketmaster is the primary ticketing provider for more than 80% of the NBA, NHL, and NFL teams. It is no mystery why no other company has significantly penetrated the primary ticketing market. Major venues in the U.S. know that if they move their primary ticketing business from Ticketmaster, they risk losing revenue they earn from Live Nation concerts. They know this because Live Nation has told them so. Yeah, this is where I think uh, the public servants are doing their job. I do think that this is a proper place for investigation by our elected officials because it is necessary for the American capitalistic society to have competition in order to flourish. And anytime there is anti-competitive behavior that's occurring, meaning, you know, we are trending towards a monopoly or monopoly-like, uh, you know, a de facto monopoly, it is in the our entire society, our entire American system of economic development to ensure that competition continues to exist and this has been the case for a long time this is why there was 17 different bell companies when when the telephone was invented it was across the country right telegraph companies all of these we, railroad companies had to be broken up we don't allow monopolies here because competition breeds economic development that's that's a premise of our society so i think they're doing a good job here and you know i saw like a local angle on something like this when there's a class action lawsuit, this wasn't done by the government, but this is this is done by private enterprise that the government enables these sort of class action lawsuits against all the casinos here saying, making the allegation that they've all colluded together to price fix based on the availability of the entire strip, just not their properties. Again, I think that's the appropriate place for investigation from a government. And if proven true, is the proper place for lawsuits and class action lawsuits to ensure this kind of collusive, collusive behavior does not continue at the expense of the citizens. So I just bought some tickets off Ticketmaster the other day. How do I get in on this? Do I get a cut? Oh, you're going to get your notices, buddy. We're all going to get our notices. Uh, you know, they'll come in the mail. <laughs> Every Everybody is going to get the little placard. There's been a class action lawsuit against Ticketmaster. It's been in our records that you have purchased a ticket from Ticketmaster. Opt in, opt out, do what you want to do. Can I say, I think class action lawsuits are awesome. I have been in part of one once. 
So, like, years ago, it, there was one with Madden and uh, NCAA football. And so I got a thing. It was like, have you ever bought any of these games? I was like, yeah. So I filled out the thing. I got a check for, like, 350 370 bucks, like, six months later that I'd totally forgotten about. I'm in. Give me my thing. I'll sign up. Yeah, usually. I think I've only ever gotten one check that was, like, for $6 or something. Oh. <laughs> but, but, but the class action industry, while I think it gets a bad rap sometimes because the attorneys make a lot of money, but they also put a lot of risk into it. The attorneys, when they hit, can make a lot of money on their attorney's fees, but it is the most effective legal arm in changing corporate behavior that exists in our country is these class action lawsuits where they're forced to pay billions of dollars for their frauds, for their mistakes, for you know intentionally deceiving the public. And the only way we could accomplish that and get all that evidence together is through class action. So I'm happy they're out there. Yeah, we should mention here in the final 30 seconds before we go to break, part of the congressional hearing, too, is talking to some artists who've had a deal with, you know, using, or, uh, using Ticketmaster for their shows. And they're like, uh, the ticket was priced at 30 bucks. Fees on top of that were another, you know, 30 or 40% up to 42. And in the end, we got 12 bucks a ticket. Like, there's yep. something wrong with that, too. There's, wrong on both sides of it. And I'm glad that they're speaking up now. And like you said, I'm glad Taylor Swift's speaking up. So it's... Uh, I'm glad to see that the government's using their resources to dig into this because it's to our benefit and the benefit of everybody in the country, I think. Justin Watkins here with us on a Thursday. We're live just off the Vegas Strip at Silver Sevens, Flamingo, and Paradise. NFL weekend Sunday, 77-cent beers during both of the games. Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, 77 cents all throughout the games at Silver Sevens. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Justin Watkins is here on this Thursday. Last couple things to hit from the uh, legal standpoint. Saw that there is a complaint from some former ESPNers, including an ESPN reporter, Allison Williams, who did a very nice job uh, alleging that ESPN made, uh, quote, no serious attempts at an accommodation when it came to the COVID vaccine. Um, are these suits pretty common? Because I think a lot of people are looking back and they're like, wait, I feel like I got screwed. We're going to see a lot of these lawsuits or complaints. I don't think they're common yet, and I don't know how much you're going to see of them depending on how the first couple public ones go. Like From my perspective, I don't think there's a great legal basis for these claims, uh, especially for you know sideline reporters that were asked to go to places that the, where the facility required vaccination and there was no exemption protocol for the facility because they didn't have to. Well, then what's CSPN supposed to do? You know, they're, they're not forced to repurpose you into another job. It's not a disability. It's a unwillingness, whether it's based on faith or fear, it doesn't matter. It's not a recognized disability. This doesn't fall under the ADA. And so like this idea that they must accommodate and repurpose an employee into a different role in which they can work, I just don't agree with the premise. And I, and I don't think most people do. And I, I don't think they're going to turn out. These suits are going to turn out well. It's funny. I was just thinking back to uh, some road trips to California on the uh, running Rebels beat and how intense California was. 
about the vaccine and you know getting the second one and boosters and i wonder if we can file a complaint we were just at fresno state we were all down on the floor the broadcast the main broadcast was down on the floor and i was down on the floor as a sideline guy last year they actually had us in the upper deck calling the game literally zero fans in the upper deck there were three thousand fans in fresno i was allowed down on the floor it was uh, it was pretty absurd i'd like i like some reparations probably not gonna work right (laughs) Because, like, like you said, so. we, you have to adjust to whatever that locale requires. I mean, going up to San Jose, I mean, that that was crazy. California was super intense in certain areas about the vaccine. Right. And, and ESPN can't influence or control all of that, nor can their employees say that that's part of their job. Well, you should have asked them. Like, I, I don't have any obligation to ask them. I don't have to use up, like, the goodwill in our relationship business-wise for your benefit. There's, there's no legal obligation or mechanism to make me do that. So, yeah, again, I, I just don't think these things have a lot of merit. Um, and, you know, if I were either of the plaintiffs in this situation, I'd be kicking myself, you know? I made a mistake. I, I miscalculated. Last one. we got about a minute left. You saw last week that Antonio Brown got banned by Snapchat because he had posted a, uh, a lewd scene with um, – his his lady, but not really his lady anymore, and she complained about it. Uh, so he's banned from Snapchat. But I also wonder where are we on revenge porn laws now, and and going after people for stuff like this? Yeah, in Nevada, you you absolutely are protected. I mean, you certainly want to contact the district attorney's office if anything like this has happened to you. If they have released a sexual or lewd uh, interaction between with you and somebody else, and that person did not get permission from you. And they post it out there publicly, either through email or social media or what have you. It's a Category D felony. So there are absolutely protections. And and you still have a civil suit, too. You absolutely can bring that. But, I mean, Category D felony is a pretty big deal. What about uh, one-party states? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the rest of the states are trying to catch up, right? But Nevada is right at the forefront of this. Revenge porn laws are strong here. They're strong in all, actually, in all of our neighboring states, really. Um, I'm unaware of Utah's at at the moment, but Arizona, California, Oregon, uh, Washington, they all have strong, um, you know, revenge porn laws. Justin, appreciate it. Thank you. 766-1400. Call Battle Morning Injury Lawyers in Reno or here in Las Vegas. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks, guys. And by the way, by one-party states, I didn't mean political party. I meant approval. Some states, you just need the approval of the person who's running the video. Here's who I think will be the first quarterback taken off the board in the 2023 NFL Draft. You hear a lot about C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson, but I believe it's going to be Will Levis as QB1. First thing I'd be addressing with him is when you get in front of him at the Combine, if you get an opportunity to uh, interview him at the Combine, is... Okay, you didn't play very well this year, but every time you had an opportunity to prove that you're the number one quarterback in this draft class, you didn't go out and do that. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Yeah, all these quarterbacks in the NFL draft are going to be highly debated. we got plenty of time to do it. They get sliced, they get diced, lots of opinions. First opinion in that rejoin was a guy named Adam Brenneman who played football at Penn State, is trying to kind of turn himself into a draft insider. Second voice is a former NFL GM in Rick Spielman. So first guy said number one pick. Second guy said, hey, we got to grill this guy when he gets to the combine and ask what was the problem. Why'd you suck? When I saw it, I was like, whoa, okay, pretty direct. Pretty direct. Brad Powers is with us. This is a you know a quick continuation of a conversation we had last week, where Brad was saying you know not in love with Levis. 
Um, JBT's freaking out because maybe the Colts could oh. take Levis. Brad, how you doing, buddy? How you doing well? Thanks for having me. There you go. So you get some more opinion. I think I'm going to tweet you every time I see something about Levis, and then uh, I, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't overstate it last week when I said you were you were down on him or something about maybe not a first round pick. You know he's going to be a first round pick, but you just don't believe the value is there. Yeah, so, yeah. Just uh, clarifying. Well, I wouldn't necessarily draft him if I was a GM, at least in, in the top half of first round. I really, honestly, wouldn't draft him in the first round at all. But I do think he goes. I, I know, I know for a fact. In fact, I would be actually surprised if he doesn't go top ten because he's going to show a lot of arm strength uh, at the pro day. He'll fall in love with the measurables, and you know how that goes. I'm like probably a couple of good wild throws, similar to you know a la Zach Wilson, but. You know, tape doesn't lie, and here, here's the thing. Here's a guy in his career couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. He was given the opportunity several times to do so, never did. It's not like Penn State was overly infatuated and set in stone with Sean Clifford as quarterback. Couldn't do that. Uh, you know, the, the year prior, he threw 13 interceptions. And I thought he had more weapons, and, and he had a pretty good play caller. And ended up going to the Rams in this past year with all the expectations. Uh, again, you know, I didn't think he showed hardly any improvement. Uh, so, you know, his quarterback rating was right around the same. QBR, if you believe in that stat, ranked 59th in the country. That just does not, to me, scream top 10, top 15 pick in the draft. So people who want to step up for Levis, if they're not informed, might say something like this. Well, you know, it's college football. The coaching in the NFL is much better. He'll get better. The funny thing is, if I'm correct, wasn't he mentored the last two years at Kentucky by NFL guys? Yeah, get guys from from the Rams staff, uh, you know. Yep. So get guys that have been, you know, right there in that right. system that that's been pretty quarterback friendly. Uh, <laughs> when you can win games with the Jared Goffs of the world, I mean, Smith win games. Look, I, I agree with the sound, the second sound bite. He had plenty of opportunities at the big stage yep. this year, and time and time again, I mean, he fell short, and I mean, majorly short. It wasn't like a lot of people were around him failed him. He failed. Now, there's a reason I'm doing this, because you have a strong opinion, one, on Will Levis, but two, as a Colts fan, John has his team in a prime position here with the number four pick. He was just shaking his head the entire time. I know he's thinking, like, hey, they're going to take Levis. Let me throw something else out. From a gambling standpoint, there's a lot to be decided here from a personnel deal with the Colts. If, and I don't know if this has ever happened before, if the Colts elect to bring back Jeff Saturday could that actually like when you really think about it that that could severely affect their win total prediction next year like they, like he he might be that bad and that unqualified where you, you like you're you know I don't know what you would what you set the number at six and a half and all of a sudden you're like Jeff Saturday all right it's five yeah that's an excellent question I mean usually head coaches you don't think are worth that much uh, we've seen it even in college football Nick Saban moved maybe the point spread uh, in a key game against Georgia a couple years ago in the COVID year a half point point Urban Meyer point uh, I think as he got suspended uh, the first part of, uh, of the 2018 season so uh, you don't think that they're worth much but I agree with you I don't know if it's a full win but I know one thing it's definitely a half win uh, it would be the downgrade for the Colts. And I, I, I think it might be a win just because it's just screaming ineptitude at the top. Not necessarily, you know, how bad Jeff Saturday is, but, I mean, it, it just screams like they don't have their, eye, their eyes down and their teeth crossed starting at the very top of the organization, Jim Mark Mark my words. 
if the Colts trade up, because I was reading a mock draft, if the Colts trade up after they hire Jeff Saturday to draft Will Levis at number one, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it, and I won't do it. I refuse to do it. You can mark my words here. I will never. It's not like I even cheer for the team that much anymore. I quit. Like, I flat out quit. I will never watch one, another one of their games. Um, can I also say, like, can I also say when, when it comes to Levis, the other thing, Brad, is I always like, like, what is your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Because as somebody who is on you know, social media quite a bit, I have been tweeting out like, hey, if they're not going to trade up to get Bryce Young, I would like them to get C.J. Stroud at number four. I think that's an attainable goal. I think he's a better option than Will Levis. But I get a whole bunch of like, have you seen him throw? And I'm like, have you seen Will Levis? Like, I'd much rather have C.J. Stroud. Your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I mean, there was some inconsistency uh, a little bit, uh, particularly, you know, came up short uh, in two big games against Michigan the last couple of years. I think he did himself an um, I, in any game. If I was a point, like, that, that did a, a quarterback improve or, or drop his draft stock in any game more than what C.J. Stroud did against Georgia, and I, I think it was on the positive side. I thought there was major question marks coming off the Michigan performance, and to do what he did against Georgia – uh, where he put a team on his back, he was he was running. Uh, questioned whether or not he had that in him. He did that. There was tight windows. He made plays. Uh, I know he's surrounded by a really good wide receiver core, but I, I thought that was one of the best quarterback performances of the entire season. And I think he solidified himself as a look. If I'm a GM, I'm taking him in the top five. Can I also just add because we we were talking a lot, Steve, about like you know head coaches, right? And Steve Wilkes and you know getting shafted because of Frank Wright getting that job and everything like that. I always find it like really curious how we'll look past guys like Will Levis and their faults because, hey, man, you can develop him. You can draft him. But when you get a guy like C.J. Stroud and he played as well as he did at Ohio State, like, oh, I don't know, it might be fool's gold. You better watch out. All quarterbacks from Ohio State are bust. All quarterbacks are bust. Uh, Brad Powers is with us, <laughs> at Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. So I noticed at the top of your Twitter handle you had uh, college football records from your summer preview guide. You'll be working on that, and obviously it'll come out in – the summer, I like the fact that Brad is very honest about how he does. You did pretty well on almost everything in terms of return on investment. Yeah, it was a good year. Uh, very active year. I mean, as far as season win totals, I mean, I never bet more. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily like I was that sharp. I just thought the, the books were super aggressive. They put the numbers out earlier than ever before. There was disparity in the numbers that they posted. I mean, you don't have to be Elon Musk to figure some of this out when one book has got a different win total. Like, uh, and I'm not even talking a half game difference. I'm talking some books are posting a game different than, than the rest of the market. Uh, I mean, of course you're going to take advantage of those outliers. So, uh, you know, put that in there. Had a good season. Uh, had a good summer preview guide. Had a good season. It was probably, I've been doing this 15 years. This was my best season this past year. So I'm really curious because a lot of people, right, Brad, they view this on a week-to-week basis like, hey, I want winners this week. How much of your ROI for the season as a whole was setting up like middles and arbitrage and doing stuff like that where you're finding those discrepancies and building your bankroll in that way? Because a lot of people just view it as, i got to predict this correctly, when a lot of the times is what you're talking about. I've just got a really good middle working here on two books that were just a little out of price. So, I mean, there's two differences. I mean, obviously I'm a handicapper. Uh, I do sell information. I do sell picks. So I'm never going to give out one side and turn around and give out the other. I don't do that. But me, the better, obviously, when, when I'm betting openers and having certain uh, positions, uh, you know, do, do I want to play off of that after the line has moved significantly? Certainly. Has that, does it happen a lot? Probably not as much as it used to, uh, just because 
I don't like to get greedy. If I got a really good position on a game, uh, if I hedge back, maybe it's 30% of the original bet, or a lot of times, unless it's really crossed through what my number is on the game and I would originally make that bet to begin with, I just don't do it. I, I don't get greedy and look for middles anymore. Pro Sports Better, excellent on college football, bets everything. Brad Powers is with us at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter, Brad Power Sports. Dot com. Uh, John, I know you wanted to get into the, the line movement on this Bengals-Chiefs game. Give me your take on what's happened now the last five days or so with the Mahomes injury stuff. And this line has been all over the place on the AFC side, Brad. Yeah, I mean, it has, and all obviously information-based. Uh, I mean, there were certain sports books that, you know, the, and this is even with the known injury uh, to Mahomes on Saturday said Sunday morning that Kansas City would be more than a field goal favorite at home against Cincinnati. Cincinnati goes out, has one of the most impressive performances uh, of the season in any game for any team, uh, you know, outright beating Buffalo and dominating Buffalo. So certainly got to adjust a little bit, but it is just one game. And if I remember correctly, the game before that against a backup quarterback, Cincinnati should have lost on their own field to Baltimore. So uh, a lot of early Cincinnati money, Kansas City opens favorite. Cincinnati flips the favorite because uh, there's so much worry about the Mahomes injury. You, you see the the practice clips, the press conferences, the, all the the, the ver, verbatim that's out there is generally positive for Mahomes. So uh, a sharp group, I think, started the avalanche a couple days ago. They took Kansas City plus two and a half. They're very public. They're very profitable. It's right angle sports. They started the avalanche at plus two and a half, and we see nothing but one-way action on KC. And I agree with KC. I, I think there's been... I think it's the first time in this last two-year run for Cincinnati that at least when they were favored at Kansas City, I think it was the first time that you were paying a super premium if you wanted to back the Bengals. So I actually have a lot of questions for this. First off, you mentioned uh, RES and the the release there. Why don't sharp groups wait? Like, and what I mean by that, you'll see all the time, like, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? Like, it'll get to like two and a half, and like that's when the release is. It's like. Why not wait till it gets to three? Like this thing's moving and, and, and grooving. Why not wait? Why do you have to? Why do you have to do it at two and a half? Excellent question. Uh, I am not. You're not alone. Uh, <laughs> I questioned it. People in my group questioned it. They got a lot of negative uh, feedback from that position uh, because they carry so much weight in the market. Why not wait? Limits weren't that high on Tuesday, um, and plus, it, I mean, what's it? I mean, so what if it goes from two and a half? The two, one and a half. I say that in right. the game, we'll probably end up landing that. But <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the chances of it getting to three are so much more than, than it moving a point or so in the other direction. I, you would have liked to seen them wait just a little bit. But you know, first come, first serve. I mean, I'm not going to criticize. I, I'm a guy who bets all the openers, and I get criticized for that. <laughs> well, and also, I, I'm just curious, like from your standpoint, I just thought this was because you mentioned like the the practice film and everything like that. I thought it was hilarious watching this line move. This was a massive overcorrection. It was the market freaking out about that. When we knew from the second the AFC Divisional game was over between Jacksonville, the Chiefs said, he's playing next week. And the, whole, the market was freaking out in the days leading up until there was blurry footage. Of, by the way, can we say we don't know if it was a body double or not of Patrick Mahomes jogging out there on the field. <laughs> this was ridiculous. Everything's a body double now. Yeah, I'm out of that conspiracy. He walked off the podium, I mean, up and down some steps. I, I think he'll be... Okay to play, uh, but obviously very limited in the run game. So, I mean, obviously we're talking about a quarterback that's worth as much as anybody to the line um, in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's worth at least seven points to the line. So even at the, you know, 75, 80%, yeah, I mean, you're knocking off a couple of points to the point spread. 
Brad Powers with us. Man, I can't wait till the summer guide comes out for college football. But before that, I got like 30 seconds left here. Go to Brad Powers 7 on Twitter to get all his information. 30 seconds left. How big are like next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for you? And do I have the right timetable now when it comes to Super Bowl props? Or will someone have stuff out on Monday? Yeah, I mean, it used to be Thursday night at Westgate. But, yeah, it gets, starts to get leaked out Tuesday, Wednesday. So, yeah, they're – you know, not as big. I mean, I, I don't originate the NFL like I do college football, so I'll bet a few, but uh, and take stronger positions after more books. You know, you can do some uh, middling there, obviously. Brad, thank you. Great spot. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care, guys. Brad Powers, Pro Sports Better. If you want to listen to the entire show, LVSportsNetwork.com or archives of the show, LVSportsNetwork.com.